0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Hey, this is a special weekend. I want to share something with you. We've been uh, supporting and praying for mission work in Madrid, Spain, uh, Light Madrid with Aaron Sandoval. Many of you know him, and a lot of you follow him on Facebook uh, and the work that he's done. He transitioned his family from Texas to Madrid and uh, launched a work and we've been able to track with them, celebrate with them uh, when they opened up a new facility as a co-working location and and been able to have a lot of conversations with with people and uh, really focused and centered on the gospel. And today's a special day. This is a special weekend for them and the work because today they actually launched their first public church service in Madrid, Spain. And so uh, it's a big step for them. It's a great thing. And um, I love I love Aaron. And I've gotten to hear conversations with him. He was in town a couple weeks ago. We sat down for coffee for about two and a half hours, and he's just telling me these stories. These great stories of 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 conversations, and he's praying. God, how do I engage this with the gospel? And and God's just showing off. I mean, Uber drivers and and people he he just runs into. They're like, "So tell me what you think about religion." And he's like, "Well, it's funny you should ask." And and so they've had some great conversations. So be praying for them um, and continue uh, supporting them. You can follow them on Facebook, Like Madrid, um, and go on and like their page and. Um, don't forget, next week is Ugly Sweater Weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've, I I made a mistake with this, y'all. I asked permission for a sweater, and it didn't work out, and Heather said no. So next year, I'm just going to ask for forgiveness, and, uh, because uh, I found some ugly sweaters. So there's going to be prizes, and uh, employees, staff and employees of the creek are exempt from this and cannot win, so... Um, uh, I'm just doing it to show off, but uh, we're in a series called Chosen, and I just got to be honest with you, you guys. Uh, as a pastor. Repackaging Christmas is a little difficult sometimes, right? Because, you know, we go through series, we teach, we'll pick a book of the Bible and kind of teach through the book of the Bible. And so at Christmas, we're like, you know, let's do a Christmas series and and let's just really kind of get get focused in on the Christmas message. And I got to be honest with you, sometimes that's difficult. And as a team, we sit down and we pray. And the beauty about the word of God is every time you open the word of God, it's fresh, right? God is always showing us something new and revealing something new. And, and as we were reading through the Christmas story, and, and I mean, reading, and, and what do we, you know, God, what do you want us to say? What do you want us as a church to hear from you this Christmas season? And, and God gave us this, this series called Chosen. And, and Alec kicked it off last week with, with Mary, and Mary was chosen uh, to, to serve God and, and to, chosen to have uh, the, the child of God and carry the child of God. And, and this week I want to look at Joseph, and Joseph's a, kind of an overlooked character in the Christmas story. I mean, he gets, he gets a passage in Matthew. If you got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter one. He gets a passage in Matthew. We see him interact with Jesus when, when he gets uh, lost and he stays at the temple and they have to go back and find him. And, and, but there's a lot in the short verses, in the short amount of time that we, we have exposure to Joseph and, and the word of God, God does an incredible impact through him. And there's, there's a lot we can learn from him and, and what God's doing. And Joseph, Joseph had an interesting calling on his life. Joseph was chosen to be the stepfather of the Messiah. I mean, he was not the, he was not the biological dad of Jesus. He's, he's, he was chosen to be the stepfather or the foster father, the adopted father. And I love how God creates families, right, because God is super creative, God tells us in his word in Acts, he says, look, I I set the time and the places that people live so that they may reach out and perhaps find God. And so God knows how to build families. And if your family dynamic is different, then then, then here's what I want you to do. Celebrate that with God. If you're a stepfather a stepmother, celebrate that with God because God's given you an incredible responsibility in those children. God's put you in that position and God builds that. We have families in the church that that have adopted and I I love those testimonies. One family said they would have never dreamed and it was not their plan. They had their idea for how God was gonna build their family and when, when the biology didn't work out right, you know, when 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 they weren't able to have kids, God opened this door to adoption, fostering, and then adoption. And see, I think that's a beautiful thing because I'll have families go, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna open up home and, and, and foster." That only lasts for a little while, y'all. They get in, you fall in love with those kids, and they say, "We adopted. We we love the way God has built our family because God gave us the right kids, and God is so creative with that. And so, man, I just want to celebrate family, right? Because it it looks different, and it it gets put together in different ways, but God is still the author of that. God is still orchestrating that. And so, I want to look at Joseph and um, Joseph's story. And so, in chapter one, Matthew, it says this: Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her sh- to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So what you've got, the betrothal is an engagement. And, and to help you understand contextually the situation and why, why would Joseph divorce somebody he's engaged to. In the Jewish culture, once you got engaged and you were betrothed, in the society's eyes, you were married. They, they looked at you as married like this is already a done thing. She said yes, he said yes, you're married except for two things. They did not live together and they hadn't consummated the marriage yet. That happened at the end of the wedding feast, the wedding celebration, at the end of the engagement period. And so they're in this engagement time and Mary ends up pregnant. And I don't know the timeline. So you got Luke 1, where the angel visits Mary and says, you're going to have a child. It's God's son. And I mean, Mary's probably thinking, Joseph's going to freak. I'm freaking out. What what is this? But I don't know. So Mary finds out, and then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. I don't know if Mary told Joseph before she went to Elizabeth or when she got back. I mean, if she said, before she goes to Elizabeth, she's like, hey, Joseph, I'm really excited for our wedding I'm going to go to Elizabeth. By the way, I'm pregnant. I mean, Joseph's jaw had to hit the floor, right? Say, what? I know what it takes to make that happen, and that ain't us. What is going on, Mary? I thought about calling this, this, this uh, message, There's Something About Mary. but um, <laughs> Because uh, you know Joseph's got stuff going through his mind. Or even if she didn't tell him, and she goes to Elizabeth and comes back several months later, you can't hide the baby bump, right, at that point. Joseph's like, uh, I thought you went to Elizabeth's house. I mean, you think about it. It's a strange situation. It's, it, it's out of the ordinary. It's, it's not the norm, okay? This doesn't happen. This is, this is the miraculous work of, of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, Joseph finds himself in a mix of emotions, this whole range. This is the woman that he said, I want to spend the rest of my life with. I'm committed to you. I asked you to marry me. You said yes. And so I've been I've been preparing this place and going through this engagement period. And this is what happens. I mean, at this point, Joseph's just saying, Mary's pregnant. And and and, and I'll just I'll just. There's a lot in this teaching today. I just got to give my own perspective. Because a lot of times, as guys, we, we struggle in our relationships. We don't like to admit it, but we do. We struggle a lot of times with insecurities. And so Joseph, man, that insecurity just got tagged. What? Well, I, <laughs> I thought she loved me. I mean, what? Did I do something wrong? Is it me? Why, why, would she go, why, why, why would she go find somebody else? How could this And so we go through that. And then it starts going through a range of emotions where he probably, like I said, I can only speak from, from my perspective, but he's got to go through a little bit of anger. Why, I can't believe she'd do this to me. And in that anger, Joseph could have made the choice at any point because Deuteronomy chapter 22, the law that was given, Joseph had every right to have her put to death. And he probably had those. Thoughts. He had anger, and then, and then he goes through resentment, and then ultimately he's got to settle on sadness because it says that he had resolved to divorce her quietly. That he was a just man. That he was. What some translations say that that he was a righteous man. What made him righteous? What he what he trusted God. He put his, his trust, just like Abraham in the Old Testament, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Joseph believed God. He believed the promises of God. He trusted God. He knew the law. He knew the promises. And he trusted, and he's looking, and he's like, but I still love this woman. So I, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna divorce her quietly. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna step away from this. Because this is just a little too weird. And so Joseph, it says in, in verse 20, but he's, as he considered these things. See, we read that sterile. We read that, oh, Joseph's consider. He's considering this situation. Are there things that you're considering right now? I mean, weighty decisions. Things that are keeping you up at night, things that when you wake up in the morning, that decision is on your heart, it's on your mind. It feels like, it feels like it's just standing right in front of you 24-7. That's, what, that's the consideration that's happening here. This isn't just a flippant decision. This isn't just like, you know, do we want steak or chicken? <laughs> to my response is, yes. <laughs> These are weighty matters. And as he's considering these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. This is from Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now again, see, Joseph has a dream and and an angel saying, it's okay, Joseph, all this is from God. But again, I've got to, I can only speak from my perspective because I know how my faith ebbs and flows sometimes. I can only be honest with you about how I wrestle with my faith sometimes. That in this moment, my tendency would be, but that doesn't happen to me. Joseph knew the Old Testament. He knew the promises of God. He knew the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 7, 700 plus years before this moment that that God said, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. It's God with us, and he's going to save us. It's the Messiah. Joseph knew the prophecies. He knew the promises that were coming, but ultimately, Joseph settled in to where a lot of us settle with our faith. Those promises may be real, but they're not for me. I'm not the guy that gets chosen to do that. I mean, we all, well, somebody won a car and they go, well, it never happens to me. Well, it just did, but it doesn't happen to me. I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. So we, we kind of start thinking the promises of God are for everybody else. <coughs> and they're not for us. And in this dream, the angel appears to Joseph. This is the promise of God. This is the fulfillment of it. God chose the right time, the right place, the right people, and the right family to make this happen in. Joseph's just like, (laughs) you ever hit that moment when the realization that God's promises are for you? And how it just, it changes your thinking. It changes everything where you're like, God, you're doing this in my life. And Joseph has to respond. And this is what it says. It says, after he woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So he continued the engagement period, the betrothal time and the fulfillment of it happened after the birth of Christ. Joseph put his plans on hold for Jesus. But this is a big thing because Joseph responded in obedience. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Going against, I mean, everything inside of him, I'm just speaking again from Matt's perspective as a man, everything inside of him was like but there's been a betrayal. I, I just—is it you, God? Is this really you? I mean, I wrestle with that. Sometimes I wish, in the decisions that I have to make, an angel of the Lord would appear in a dream, and God would make it that clear and tell me, "This is what you got to do. Here's the next step, and here's what here's what God is doing." And God says, "No, I'm just asking you to take a step of obedience." I want to know what step ten is, and God's like, "You haven't even started step one, son." Joseph responds like a disciple would. We talk about people who follow Jesus. That's a disciple. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, then you take up your cross, you deny yourself, and you follow me. And there's two things that a disciple needs to do very well. needs to hear God and be obedient. And if you want to measure growth and spiritual maturity, don't measure it against everybody else around you. Here's how you measure. When I hear God, how quickly am I obedient? For us to be growing, that gap gets shorter. Look at what it says. As soon as Joseph awoke, he was obedient. He trusted God. He trusted the plan of God. He knew the promise of God. And he had to come to that realization that God has just spoken to me. God has made it abundantly clear to me. And I'm going to do everything he says. And if you're sitting there wondering, well, I haven't heard God, so how do I be obedient? Go back to the last thing you heard God do. Are you being obedient with that? And Joseph responds, think about the responsibility he takes on with this commitment. That's the power of commitment. There's great power in what's going on in the life of Joseph. And this this blew my mind this week, that that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So before God created anything, Jesus said, I know what my responsibility is. I know I'm going to be the sacrifice. And at the right moment in time, God speaks to Mary, speaks to Joseph. And you've got to understand the magnitude of that because this is a, this is a point where for 400 years, God hadn't spoken through the prophets and God was silent. And all of a sudden, he's speaking through the ordinary. He's speaking to this girl named Mary. He's speaking to this guy named Joseph. He's beginning to speak into the people's lives. And what I found just absolutely amazing was the trust that God placed in Joseph. God's saying to Joseph, I'm building your family dynamic, not the way you had planned and envisioned, but I'm building it for a greater purpose. And and, and what's beautiful is Joseph says yes to this commitment of raising the son of God. Think about it. God trusted Joseph to teach Jesus the scriptures. To teach him, here's how to build a fire, son. Come into the shop. I'm I'm working on some furniture. Joseph was a carpenter. Come on, son. God trusted Joseph to teach him these things. Yes, he's the fullness of deity. All of God was pleased to dwell in this this flesh-wrapped baby, but he's also fully man, and Joseph is the one trusted to lead him in that life, to protect him, to ultimately where Jesus would save Joseph. It's an incredible level of trust God had with Joseph. Joseph. And we talk a lot about, well, you need to trust God. You need to trust God. Here's what you need to hear. God trusts you. God trusts you. God made a commitment to you. God made a commitment to me. And this commitment that Joseph's making, it's not a light thing. See, we throw the word commitment around in our culture and our society like it's a two-year contract for a free phone. That's not a commitment. That's a contract a commitment comes from from the core a commitment comes from the heart a commitment comes from a place that has a strength a depth and a power greater than ourselves and at the core we have to understand that commitment is a choice we have to choose this we choose to commit We choose to serve. We choose to follow. Joseph had to choose Mary. Joseph had a lot of choices in front of him. Do I have her stoned? Do I divorce her? Do I go ahead with the marriage? Do I raise this son as my own? Do I step in and be the father? What do I do? All these choices. See, I I get wrapped around the axle with too many choices. I mean, when Heather takes me to a restaurant or I take her to a restaurant, she knows we got to pick restaurants with small menus. You take me to the Cheesecake Factory and I'm overwhelmed. I mean, it's, it's, this is what they do. Welcome to the Cheesecake Factory. Here's your menu. And I'm like, well, what do I want to eat? Uh, 800 pages and I'm finally at the appetizers. I just get overwhelmed. I just want a simple choice. Do you want beef or chicken? Yes. Would you like fries with that? Yes. Do you want a salad? Mm, I'm eating healthy, so yes. (laughs) But We all have choices to make every day, but Joseph chose to commit to Mary. He chose to commit to being a father just as God chose us. My small group just started a study in Ephesians. and In Ephesians 1, I love what what we're reminded of, the goodness of God that says, even as he, even as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before all this started, God made a choice to commit himself to us. Jesus made a choice to commit himself to our redemption, to commit to our relationship, knowing that we're going to be Flawed, knowing we're gonna mess this thing up, knowing we're gonna find ourselves in sin, knowing we're gonna disappoint him, he says, I'm still choosing to commit to you. That's a relationship. I mean, when I think of a the bedrock level of commitment, I think of marriage. And this time of year, some of you are experiencing joy and some are experiencing turmoil. It's not just always the happy-go-lucky, peace on earth, and goodwill to men. Sometimes this is the most difficult time of the year for you. And I know that's true because the Christmas season is when suicide rates spike, when depression rates go off the charts, when divorce goes up. And I just want, I know this, doesn't sound like a Christmas message, but the Christmas season isn't always twinkly lights, frosted window panes, and good things. Sometimes it's the most difficult season, and I want to remind you of commitment, that you choose to stay committed. I did a wedding Friday night, and I, I, I take that very seriously. Because this couple stands before me and they're in love and they're just looking at each other like, I love you, I'm so happy to be here. It's gonna be a perfect life. And then I give them the reality. And I tell them in their wedding ceremonies, like, "Look, you love each other, but there's gonna be days you don't like each other. So I, I speak truth into them about commitment. And then I look at them and I say, do you now upon hearing these things in front of God and these witnesses commit to honor this covenant with your wife or with your husband to make a home where she'll be loved and cared for for as long as God grants her life if so answer I do you've just answered to a commitment you've just made a commitment and it's not a one time thing y'all I mean in this ceremony he said I do and somebody shouted I couldn't hear you and I go he did he did I also bring some humor into the way. If you want me to do your wedding, hey, you don't know what you're going to get, okay? <laughs> but it's a choice you have to make every day. Sometimes you've got to make it multiple times in a day. I chose to commit to you. I do. I did. And I will. And we make that. If you've got kids, you know <laughs> who are you, kid? You choose to commit to be the father and mother, listen to this, that God has called you to be. Your family dynamic may not be how you would have chose to build it, but God has built your family and he's called you to it. And he says, I'm asking you to make a choice to be the father and the mother that I've called you to be because there's a great responsibility. Because listen to this, God trusts you with those kids and you have a responsibility to, For those kids' lives, you have a responsibility on nurturing your marriage for the sanctification and spiritual maturity of your husband and your wife. You're given for each other. And those choices, listen listen to me, those choices cost us. Because to commit means that we're gonna make sacrifices. I mean, Joseph had to make a sacrifice, he sacrificed his reputation for Mary that when I make this commitment, I got to know it's going to lead to sacrifice. I was reading a commentary this week and one, one, one man was writing about Mary and the really the public scorn and shame that would come from, from her being pregnant outside of wedlock. And he said that every time Mary would have stepped into public, there would have been the the flaming darts of society constantly trained on her and what decisions that they had, were judging and prejudging that she had made. But he says, but every in between society and every one of those darts stood a man named Joseph who made a commitment to sacrifice his reputation for his wife. Love costs us. Commitment costs us. We're celebrating the end of the, the, the One Church campaign, and for three years, many of us We've given sacrificially. We prayed. We heard God. We've walked in obedience for three years. We've sacrificed things financially to see what God would do in us and through us. And we've seen that faith become sight with the facility get uh, get finished up. Through this year, we've seen decisions for Christ. We've seen people get saved. We've seen people's lives restored. We've seen people walking in freedom. We've seen people connect in relationship with other people, with God, with Bible studies. With I mean, it's just been an amazing thing, but that came with sacrifices. If, you've got, if you're in a marriage, that marriage requires sacrifices every day. I love what uh, the song, When a Man Loves a Woman, because movies, movies and songs ping in my head all the time. And this week when I was writing this and praying and I was just having a conversation, the song was going through my mind, When a Man Loves a Woman. Not the Michael Bolton version. I grew up listening to Chuck Berry and Percy Sledge. And here's what, here's what Sir Percy Sledge has to say about commitment and sacrifice. When a man loves a woman... Spends his very last dime trying to hold on to what he needs. He'd give up all his comforts to sleep out in the rain if she said that's the way it ought to be. That's commitment, y'all. That's a commitment level that I don't even have because I'm not sleeping out in the rain. (laughs) I slept in a spare bedroom this weekend, but I'm not sleeping in the rain. (laughs) Before y'all, is he fighting? Are they, is everything okay? Christmas is that time of year? No, 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 She was sick. She was running a fever, all that stuff, and I don't want those cooties. So I was like, baby, I love you. I, I do. I did. I will. I'm committed to you, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to sacrifice by sleeping in a spare bedroom, and then when you feel better, you're not running a fever, wash all the sheets, sanitize everything, because cause baby Mariah's got to sing this weekend. So, I mean, I got to get on this. And I was praying for Heather because she had to preach on Sunday, uh, Friday night. And man, God, God really just did an incredible thing through her getting sick this weekend. Man, I didn't get to hear her teach, and I, that, that breaks my heart because I was at a wedding. But I heard, I heard it was awesome, baby. She did good. She can, she can speak the word of God. She speaks it into my life every day. But it cost us. Love cost us during that wedding ceremony. I hold the rings. I always call for the rings and. And Heather makes fun of me now because I probably ought to change it. Because I grab the rings, I look at them, and go, "Oh man, good job! <laughs> you make a lot of money." No, I'm just kidding. I just kidding. It's not reflected in your tithe. No, <laughs> but uh, I'll just take these. <laughs> I, I don't do that. <laughs> but I, I <laughs> you never know. You never know. It might happen. might be the last wedding I ever get asked to do. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) But I look at these rings, I'm like, these are beautiful. These are expensive, it's bling, right? And I look at them and I go, these are reminders of this covenant and what they remind you is that love isn't cheap and love isn't common and love costs us dearly. And it continues to be that cost, but it's a cost we're willing to bear. Because we're committed. We made the choice and we're staying committed to that choice. And isn't this a beautiful picture of Jesus? That we're, we're looking at Joseph and Joseph made a choice to stay committed to Mary and commit to this family and sacrifice for it. But isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus? That he chose us? He chooses us. He gave his life for us. He poured out his his blood on Calvary so that we could be made holy and blameless, that he stands between society and us and says, you're mine. Because ultimately our commitment, true commitment reflects the heart of God. I believe Joseph, what we see in him is a reflection of the heart of God because God builds family. I love the way God builds it. Go back to Ephesians chapter one. I mean, in him we were chosen and, and, and it, he predestined us for adoption, which means he, he knew our situation. He knew the trouble we would find ourselves in. He knew the challenges of sin and he still chose us. He still chose to adopt us. In Romans eight fifteen it says... We haven't been given the spirit of fear to fall back into slavery, but we've been given the spirit of of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. God says, look, I I chose you. I choose you. I sacrifice for you so that you can call me Dad. God says, you don't have to come to me and go, oh, thou great Father. Father. Thou art so wonderful and divine, and he just says, "Come and call me daddy." That's the relationship I want with you. He set Jesus in this family with Joseph and Mary, to where Joseph Jesus could call Joseph daddy. And God says, "That's my heart, Joseph. I'm sending you my my best." I'm sending you my one and only for you to raise, for you to protect, for you to nurture, for him to call you daddy so that he can pay for your sins, so you can call me daddy. That's the beautiful, that's the beautiful heart of God. In our, in our group, we're, like I said, we just started studying Ephesians 1 in our group, and it was explained this way. Um, many of you are familiar with the show of the voice. If you're not familiar with it, the way it starts, the the season starts is they're blind auditions where a hopeful singer walks out on a stage with a microphone, and they face four chairs, the back of four chairs. And they start singing, and they're pouring their heart out. The family's on the side going, push the button, push the button, because the hope of that singer when they come out on the stage is for that, that judge and that coach to, boom, hit the button. And when that button gets hit, the back of the chair, it turns. It turns around, and the judge looks at the singer, and there's three words that light up at the bottom of the chair. It says, I want you. That's the heart of God. That's the adoption. That's the chosen. That before we even stepped out on the stage of life, God hit the button and said, I want you. I know you're going to fail at this. I know you're going to have notes that are going to go awry. I know you're going to fall short of my glory. I know you're going to wrestle with faith. I know you're going to have struggles and doubts. I know you're going to make decisions you regret, regret, but I choose you. And not only do I choose you, see, here's the beautiful thing about that show. If you've watched it, when multiple coaches turn around, they start fighting and kind of bickering back and forth to who gets the singer. And here's what God says. I hit my button before the world did. I choose you before any of these other things started coming at you. And oh yeah, when they start offering the riches of this world, when they start offering all these things that are fleeting and and, and temporary, I want you to know something. I gave the blood of my best. His name is Jesus. He was raised by Mary and Joseph. They said yes, and I said yes, and he paid for your sin. So before you hear anything the world has to offer you, I chose you and I paid for you. That's the commitment of God. That's the heart of God. And we've got some choices to make. Listen to me. You have choices to make, and there are sacrifices that are gonna come as a result of those choices. And what God is saying is, I chose you. Do you choose me? I'm committed Are you committed? For some of you, I'm praying that God gives you the the strength, the courage, and the ability to step back into that marriage and say, I'm committed. I'm committed. To engage again as the parent and say, this is hard, but I'm committed. And if you need help, we will help you. If you need professional help, we will help you get that professional help but I'm asking you, I'm calling you back to your commitments because that's the heart of God. And all you've got to do is say yes to him. He's already said yes to you. Father, we love you and we thank you for, thank you for choosing us. And even in our brokenness, our shame, Even when we get prideful, when we think we're successful at all this, you chose us. Thank you. I choose you too. You committed to me. And I also make a commitment to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Thank you for wanting me when I don't even want myself sometimes. Thank you for your sacrifice that paid away for me to be called your son and I can call you dad. Help me to reflect that heart. Help me to live sacrificially. Help me to be the husband. You've called me and created me to be. Help me to be the Father that you've called me and created me to be. You chose me for this role. Help me in my commitment. Help me to be faithful. Help me to reflect your heart to the world around me. It's for your beautiful, powerful, mighty, precious name that we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at